Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, leadership development coach, Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Have you ever hesitated before asking for money? You know, gone to a fundraising event or knew you had to ask for corporate fundraising or perhaps ask your boss for a raise, any kind of money conversation. Does that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? Then you are in for a treat, because today we are talking to Heather Nelson, who is a corporate fundraising coach, mentor. She helps you learn how to ask for money, the strategies, and helps you walk you through it. So today we're going to talk to Heather about the three-step strategy for courageous fundraising conversations. On to the show now. Welcome to the show, Heather. We are going to talk about those courageous money conversations. And in a minute, we're going to get to the three steps that help us do that. But tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you are, and what it is you do now. Uh, Thanks, Kathy. I'm excited about this conversation. It's going to be fun. Uh, And I know that comes across as weird because a lot of people don't think talking about talking about money is fun, right? It's like (laughs) the worst thing. And you know what? It's you know, if someone had told me that that was going to be like my thing when I, when I, you know, was a kid or even into my twenties, I, like, I would have said, no, no way. Right. No way. Because, um, I started my professional career in the nonprofit sector and I've always worked in the nonprofit sector, uh, from the very start. And on the the beginning, I was in the program side of things. It was involved in international development, traveling to other countries, um, working in community development projects, that sort of thing, staff management. And, uh, you know, nothing to do with money, really. Uh, And at some point uh, along the way, I decided I want to go back to school. And I started like looking at different options about going back to school. And I really always felt like a generalist and I couldn't commit. I couldn't commit to like a master's in one thing. And so gradually I found myself in my master's of business administration in, in a, at Schulich School of Business, which had nonprofit. Did, did you start in a different, like, did you take training in something different before you went and did all this other stuff? Uh, no, I mean, I, you know, I took my undergrad in an unrelated field, like many of us, and then, you know, kind of went into the charitable sector. And it was only when I said, Hey, I, you know, I want to go back to school. I want to advance my education. And really the next thing I did was sign up for my MBA. That's great. (laughs) And with two feet, right? But um, what I discovered there, uh, was that there was some people who spent an enormous amount of time thinking about money and planning for money and that, you know, that there was some real advantages (laughs) that could be found there. And I always knew I was going to go back to the nonprofit sector, but now I was like honing skills around how people who are working in the business sector think and what's important to them and, and uh, what's important to those businesses. And, And that lingo became very comfortable. And so when I went back to working and I became a fundraiser and, uh, and sort of immersed myself in the fundraising world, it was sort of then combining my belief in cause and charity and yeah. working in the nonprofit sector with some of these skills that I, I developed by being around the business school, you know, lingo, things like that. And, I- and so 
together. don't know if you can share, you know, names or places or stuff, but can you tell us a little story about like a big ask that you did? Um, sure. I mean, once I got back to, uh, food, you know, into the charitable sector, I was at Food Banks Canada. Um, and that's where I really started focusing on corporate fundraising, which is, is what I specialize in now, what I work in exclusively now. And at the beginning, it was um, it came naturally in some ways, and then in other ways, it was it was not. And I, I do remember, like, sort of the good and bad first story is that I had a meeting with, you know, a big Canadian company, and I was super yep. excited. And I did all prep, cat, all the preparation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had all the points, I practiced it at home, I had the best outfit, I had it all thought through. It was gonna go perfect. And then I get there and um, very unusually, the actual senior person met me to walk right. me to, which almost never happens. Yeah. Uh, usually somebody else. But anyway, this case, it was the, the senior VP that met me in the lobby and we had like 10 minutes or so together. Wow before the meeting to like elevator, hallway, yeah. all this whole thing. <laughs> and are you like sweating bullets at this yes. point? <laughs> and I had no idea what to talk about during that yeah. time. I had no plan. I had not thought this through at all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you know, I do like chatting with people, but it was like, I couldn't think of a thing. Like yeah. it was weather and traffic. And I'm just, I, I barely knew what organization I worked for all of a sudden. I was like, yeah. it was brutal. Um, and I think back on that story a lot because that did turn into a great partnership and there was a million more meetings with that organization. Yeah. And while I remember that, I'm pretty safe to say that they would not remember that part yeah. of the meeting or that part of the relationship that we moved on hundred yeah. percent from there. And so, I mean, I think it just reminds us that, you know, these, no matter how much you prepare, things can happen, happen. on one hand, but on the other hand that, you know, that's, that's such a, uh, a insignificant moment for everyone else is something that I can you know, yeah, hold <laughs> over and over. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was an early one and it worked out really well. And I think what, what was clear there then back then is that uh, it was a long road, right? Like yeah. any of my big asks have uh, almost all been um, long roads. You know, yeah. you build you build to that. It's not, you know. I think I always joke that people who aren't fundraisers think that the first thing we do is walk in the door and say, "Hi, excuse me, can you give me a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> or whatever?" You know. <laughs> Um, and what, uh, is the truth is that, you know, you usually spend a ton of time with the person or the company yeah. and get to know what they want and what they are looking for and what, how you can meet that need and, and all kinds of things happen. And then at some point there's a conversation about money. I want to go back to a minute because I know some of the women listening, just as you said that their stomachs are, <laughs> um, when you actually throw out that $100,000 number, they're like, right. oh my God, I can never ask for $100,000. Uh, but what is it that when people come to you, they say something to you, you've told me this, what is it they say to you when, when they sort of pick up the phone and say, oh my God, Heather, I need help? Um, I don't know. They, I mean, when they, usually when they call, um, it's, it's not about um, a, a, just a, situ a specific situation. Yeah. Usually it's, you know, we need more money as an yeah. organization. And, and then, you know, we talk through what that looks like. And usually 
the thought at the beginning is like, what's the strategy? What's yeah. the message? What do, what are we going to say? Yeah. What are we going to write um, to, to have that conversation? And, you know, as we get to know each other and spend more time together, then we, we go from there into more of a conversation where we really try to figure out what their obstacle is. Like, is it really that you don't know the message? Is it really that, you, you know, what, you know, what is mm-hmm. the real, um, problem here. But, uh, when we talk about money, for sure, one of my, um, advice pieces of advice is them telling me what they think the number is and they think it is. And they do often ask me to set the number. Like it's, yeah. you know, some, I have like a secret file that says this exact <laughs> number. If you say this number, the person will say yes. Right? But, um, the, the truth is that, that part of it is saying a number that you believe is the right number and that you believe is, is, yeah. is a number that you, your organization can back up and provide value for. So yeah. um, I do get them to say it out loud because I think sometimes that, you know, even say it out loud to me requires a, a yeah. big deep breath. Yeah. And if uh, me, who's on your team and your cheerleader and your, your person in your corner you have a bit of a, a moment of pause than if there's a, an intimidating individual on the other side yeah. of that conversation, then that pause is going to be bigger. And, and, and then if they sense that you're not sure about what you're saying, then that's where there's more likely to be, you know, pushback or a, a harder yeah. negotiation. Which is why we called this Courageous Money Conversations, because I think, so for those of you who've been following the podcast, you know, we've been talking about competence. You have to develop the skills before you start to feel confident. But in the middle of those two is is this courageous action. And it's this, sometimes you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you need to ask for. You know who you need to call. You know, you know, you need to set up a meeting. You know, you need to build a relationship, whatever. You know, you have to do all of that. But yeah, you hold yourself back. And so, you know, what is it? Let's let's talk about the three steps, Heather. What are the three steps to have those courageous money conversations? Um, because yeah, we often get stuck in that sort of fear, you know, fight flight mode. Oh my God, I don't want to say the number. I don't want to go to this meeting. <laughs> you know? um, and then yeah, you mumble it or you um, say it probably quieter than you need to or at the last minute you reduce it even though you know the numbers should be higher or just you know starting that conversation so let's jump into the three steps what's the first step yeah yeah well I want to just add one more thing or you avoid it right so you don't even go have the conversation you put it in an email fight fight flee you're like avoid it you know I, I, like how many times have I had the conversation where, where the recommendation is, okay, you're going to have a meeting, you're going to talk yeah. it through, you're going to build up to it. And then you're going to, and then I find out, oh, well, I just wrote that all in an email and I sent it. I like, hide, we have to be hide behind <laughs> the computer, right? Yeah. 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 It's not the same. No. <laughs> it really isn't the same. So yeah. So let's start with, yeah, the three steps. So let's start with um, one of them, I believe, is it is a bit of a mindset one around vision, yeah. right? So you really need to want what's on the other side. Yeah. And that can be, in this case, you know, the specific relationship or, you know, yes from the, from the person you're asking for the money. But I also think it's like the vision of who you are and what you're doing. Yes. And I think, you know, to the point of, I'm pretty sure if you if you're fleeing and avoiding the meeting, 
you're not, you're not, you're not feeling good. You're not feeling it. You're You're not feeling good about it. So it is, you know, when, when you're in that gap between competence and confidence and, and, and really having a lot of experience, you do have to, you, you have to do this without all the experience. I mean, there is a moment in time where you're doing this for the first time. I had my first time. I did not know what I was going to say. I didn't know how it was going to work. I didn't know what all could go wrong. You know, I had Mm -hmm. that first time just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, And it's only now that I've done those kinds of conversations thousands of times that I don't think twice about it. Right. Well, it's the, it's the 10,000 hour rule, right? Like you have to do it. And, and I think that's the thing you have to be willing to fail, to fumble, to fall, uh, and still do it. Amy Cuddy talks about it as fake it till you become it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really like, you know, I'm pretending. It's that you are um, learning to get to there. And if you're not practicing, you know, the confident voice, the body posture, the looking them in the eye, and practicing saying the number, you'll never get there. But yeah, you got to have that vision of what there is. That, yeah, that's right. And I think too... And understanding that, you know, I've heard you say this before about leadership, there's not one version of a leader. Well, yeah. there's not one version of a conversation like this that works. No, right? there, there actually isn't a secret file that I have that says <laughs> this, if you did these things, it's the perfect thing. In it's this part, order. Always work, <laughs> right? Like there is a certain amount of different people react to different yeah. things in different ways. Different comments will land. Also, you know, you want to have a vision of how you want it to look. I do believe that. And I think you need to believe that you can get to the other side or you can yeah, gain the experience yeah. to, be, to be the confident asker. I mean, you do have to have that on some level. But I also think you need to have a, a sense that this is not one a one and done situation, yeah. right? Like, you know, people put this enormous amount of pressure on themselves, I find, with 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 this sort of thing where they're like, I've got the call. As if that is the only call that can ever happen. And it's like, no, you know, you've got a call and that is fantastic. Let's think about what can happen in that call. And, you know, if that one doesn't work perfectly, that's okay. You will, you'll tell me what happens and we'll come up with some next steps based on what happens. You know, I want to jump in with another example because we're talking about money right now. Janice Cunning and I were talking about competence the other day and it'll be one of these podcasts as well but we're talking about avoiding conflict and I think it's the same thing often people avoid conflict because it's that one conversation it's not one conversation it's a series of conversations where you're building a relationship and so having the courage to get through one and not doing it perfectly but getting through one taking some lessons from that doing it again it's a process and that's this whole piece around courage. It's the courage to fail, the courage to mess up, the courage to not get it right the first time or the third time or the fifth time, but the persistence to stay there. That's right. And, it, and, and that's why I guess I started with this first story. You asked me about the big ass yeah. and I turned that into, well, it was a long journey, right? And exactly. And that's the truth of the matter is that in most cases, it's a long journey and it's a relationship. And so if you, if you put so much pressure on any one moment in that relationship, then of course you're, you're, yeah. you lack confidence. Any of us would lack confidence, I think, in a situation where we were told this is the only time you could talk to this person. 
and it yeah. has to be perfect. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's not, that's just not how it works. When you're having money conversations, it is most often a series of conversations and a series of actions on your part and a series of activities. And so, you know, you're going to, you know, hopefully not mess up, you know, too much that you can't recover from it. Like, and I think I, like I have in all the people I've ever talked to and all the meetings I've ever, all the coaches, all the clients, there's nobody who's come to me and said, this is what happened. I can never speak to this person again. Right. Like that's not what happens. I have have to tell you a quick story, Heather. I was coaching somebody yesterday who is a leader in one of the large airlines. And uh, she said, you know, I always tell my people, you cannot make a mistake that's not fixable. And I'm like, okay, this is airlines. Like, what are you talking about? She's like, like, unless you park the plane in somebody's backyard. I'm like, that's the only mistake you think of. Um, But in her mind, there's no unfixable mistake, right? Like you learn from it. And I thought, well, if the airlines can take that attitude, certainly the rest of us probably can too. So yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. All right. Take us to step two. Right. Well, it really does relate closely because it closely, I talk about micro steps. I talk about this all the time when I'm talking about um, both planning the relationship and, and progress in the relationship. I try to talk about thinking about what the next thing that you want to happen is instead of focusing all the time on the vision. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's bring it closer. Right. So on one hand, our first point was yes, have a vision of of where you are at the end. And then the next step is okay, but the end of the day there's all these little steps so really all you need to know is what you want to happen next yeah and, and teeny tiny little steps that's right so next might be the email where you give them one more piece of information yeah. or the, the next step might be a meeting that adds another person into the equation yeah. or some piece of follow-up that you need to do or if the really if the let's say the meeting did go badly and, you know, in my case, that means that there doesn't seem that there's an alignment. Then the next right. step might be something to just stay in touch, yeah. right? Send them a link, follow them on LinkedIn, like some little thing that just keeps yeah. the contact alive because maybe there'll be an opportunity down the road, mm-hmm. right? So whenever we're talking about, um, you know, money commerce, courageous money conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to bring that back to, you know, even if you even if this is the moment where you're having it, then the next, the next step could be a thank you letter. It could be, could be something very warm and friendly. So you don't have to stay in the place, which is perhaps more anxiety inducing if that is in fact the case for you. Yeah. You can move out of that place and into one that's about education or is about um, appreciation or gratitude, all places where many of us feel more comfortable. Yeah. And so it, breaking it down into these micro steps allows us to not just think about the company or the funder or the donor or the boss, yes. as, like the holder of the money, but as like this, you know, full yeah. person or organization yes. with whom you have many different kinds of steps that you take in your relationship and focusing on micro steps, I think just makes it feel much, much more manageable. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, what's the next thing you need to do? And they're like, send the email. And I'm like, is that really the next step? Or is there some research you need to do before you send the email? And they're like, yes, there is. And I'm like, that's what goes on your to-do list then 
not the email. Because when you put the email on your list, again, you're putting that pressure about, oh, this person isn't going to like what I'm saying, or they're not going to, but you don't even know what you're saying yet. Like you haven't got the data yet. Um, So stop taking it three or four steps down the road and stressing yourself out and bring it back to what is the, yeah, micro, teeny tiny, littlest next step. And I think that that's especially true when when we're talking about um, the the money conversation because we're not going to start there. No, right. So if all if you're if you're if you're stopping yourself from calling somebody, for example, or emailing them for yeah. the meeting or to introduce yourself, yeah, because you're all you can think about is I'm eventually going to ask this person for money. But you should be planning to do that on the first outreach anyway. So if you can take that off the table and then you start with, well, my goal on this first call is to get to know this person, maybe ask a few questions and get a few answers. Yeah. That's a very nice manageable micro step. And then once you start getting more information, at some point you're going to determine, yes, this is the time to ask for money. And I mean, that's one of the things we work through when we build a strategy. My client and I will say, okay, we figured out that there's good alignment here. And they want me to say, okay, now how much? And instead yeah. I'm like, okay, well, what questions do we need to ask them? Right. You know, right. We need to know what value we can provide. We need to know what kinds of things they might want, what problems they're experiencing. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. And then we can get a better idea based on that knowledge what the number might be. And if, if we're doing it right, by the time we get there, they're actually all ready to give you. Yeah. That money. <laughs> you know, and I, I feel like when you're doing these micro steps too, that it's like asking yourself, is this like a task micro step or is this a relationship micro step? Right? Like, right. yeah. Do I need to send an email schedule a, a call or do I need to, yeah. Follow them on LinkedIn, comment on a post, send them a card, um, ask them how their dog's doing you know, like whatever it is, there's those little pieces. And it's like, part of that vision piece, I think for people, again, is, is sort of um, tangible, I want the check. But it's not what relationship are we building so that we get ongoing checks, and they're committed, maybe they'll then sit on our board, or, you know, then they'll talk to their friends about it, too, because they're so passionate about it. Like, yeah, what is it? Why are we asking this particular company to get involved? It's not about the money. It's about what the money can do, right? Exactly. And that's why, you know, when we're developing a script, which is another thing we do is, yeah, like so much of the script is questions and answers and offering ways that we're aligning and talking about values. And that's like the bulk of the conversation. And so um, the actual courageous money conversation comes out of, strengthening yeah. relationship and building trust and aligning values. So you know. uh, just what you said there, I want people to go back to episode number seven, because we talked about competence and we talked about the need to practice. And I love that you're saying there's a script, you know, mm. I'm not going to feel confident talking in a meeting if I haven't prepared and had the opportunity to practice. So I think that leads us into step three. What's step three? It totally leads us into step three, <laughs> right? Which is which is asking for help, right? Yeah. And that help can take on a variety of different yes. forms. So for sure, at the very um, you know sort of easiest, least expensive, all of those things like yeah. practice with a peer in your organization, yeah. a peer that does the same thing that you do, 
you know, that's, you know, that's easy. And especially at the beginning, when you're trying to develop Mm -hmm. that experience muscle, this is super important. Like practicing role playing or talking through what happens if, I mean, you know, uh, we we could ask questions. You, the person can can kind yeah. of respond to you and and really see like what what do you think in the moment. Um, take you places like you know kind of sort of the more challenging spot or the very <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, I mean on a on a professional level, uh, there's there's coaches and mentors, and yeah. you know I've had both um, uh, paid hired and contracted um, coach and mentor in this space, as well as um, more um, voluntary or Mm -hmm. people I've identified as coaches and mentors and asked for help. So um, those people are are available. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, one of the biggest compliments I get sometimes is uh, I got an email the other day from one of my clients had worked with in a while. And she's like, well, don't worry, I'm still doing my calls and I'm channeling your voice. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I hear you in my head or you're sitting on my shoulder. Right. And, you know, that for me is, you know, I don't want it to be creepy. I want it to be true. And it's true. Like I believe so much in them. Mm-hmm. And once we have practiced and talked it through, I have total confidence that they can go and do these calls. The person that I'm working with can do it. We're ready. They're ready, right? We yeah. are get it to the point where they're hundred percent ready. And so I know that so much that I, I do hear from them that they feel that confidence, yes. that they feel my experience and my confidence in them when they're going to do the call. Yeah. And that's, you know, I had that when I got started. Mm-hmm. I had someone who believed in me and what I was doing enough that I borrowed their belief in me when I went yes. into the first few meetings, right? They, yep. they, they believed I wasn't going to fail. I was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. happened, we'd figure out a solution. And I try to impart that to my clients and to yeah. the, the people I mentor out in the world. And I think it's, it's just so valuable to have somebody like that mm-hmm. in your corner, mm-hmm. whether they're, you know, uh, hired or voluntary or a friend, yeah. um, because it, you know, can be lonely and it can, and some days you just wake up and you just don't feel like you've yeah. got it. And yeah then you can call that person and they remind you how great you yeah. are and how much you do have it. And you, <laughs> and, you know, uh, I think we, yeah. we think when we become adults that we don't need that help anymore. As you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, back in T-ball days, you know, they didn't just put the T-ball out there and give you the bat and say, Had a, you know, go, go for it. <laughs> you know, literally they were around your shoulders holding the bat with you, you know, and, and I think we forget that, that, a lot of these skills as we move into senior managers and leaders and, you know, asking for, for money, um, dealing with conflict, uh, you know, there's so many things that we've never been trained on. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we think, especially as women, that we cannot admit we don't know or that we're not confident at it. But all that does is keeps us ignorant and right. keeps us feeling frustrated and, and holding ourselves back. So asking for help is an incredibly important positive skill that you can have and you know when Heather and I were talking to prepare for this we were saying it doesn't even have to be that that the person knows you 
And it doesn't even have to be a person that you see or that they're even alive. It can be in a book. It can be, you know, I often do a visualization with people to get them to see sort of their future self, which goes back to point one. Who are you becoming? You know, what would, what would the decision be if you were that person right now? Or how would that person spit that out? Um, so you can have coaches and mentors in a ton of different ways. Yeah, no, I love that because I actually, you know, within my space specifically, there aren't a ton of women. Yeah. There's a lot of female fundraisers, but within corporate fundraising, there's there's less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not unusual for certainly the person on the other side of the desk to be to, to be, be a man. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it is useful to look for people who who are outside to yeah. uh, your specific sector or your specific circle and be like inspired by them right and and so it's you know then it's it's not only coaching and mentoring it's also being inspired I did want to jump on one thing you mentioned um you know this this idea of of asking for help and I think one of the things that often is selected as the way is a is a shadowing situation where the person goes in with you okay okay say more you yeah, so I, I'm going to sort of pro and con it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it is helpful to go to meetings with somebody else and watch what they do yeah. and see what they do. And at the very beginning, that can be can be a good way to go. Yeah, I do really believe that at some point you have to go it. You kind of have to go it alone. Yeah, right? to, that's, called, that's why it's courage, <laughs> right? Yeah, and so I am always really encouraging people to, you know, be mindful that there's times that it's good to bring someone along, but also not to fall into the trap of that being how you get out of, of actually doing it, (laughs) doing this. Uh, And, and I do see that, you know, oh, well, Well, you know, there's probably somebody else who I need because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm always like, really, do you need them for that? Or is it, that that you're that you know you're scared and you're that's not your crutch ready. yeah yeah uh, so um and we do see this divide along gender not infrequently yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I, you know i would say you know mentor yes coach yes practice yes be careful you're not bringing someone along with you to avoid taking it on yourself yeah. i love that because courage is not the absence of fear it's moving through fear and so, yeah, by having someone hold your hand all the time, you're never going to move through that fear on your own. The re- it, it really, that's what courage is, is just like doing it. It's, mm-hmm. and honestly, I mean, I think of all of the times that I was terrified of a situation. Once I got through the first like three minutes or five minutes, the rest, I'm not going to say it was always easy, but it, it, the path sort of smoothed out a little bit. It's right? that, yeah. that first, like you said, that, that 10 minutes before the meeting started, that was like, yeah. um, that's for me, that's always the worst is that small talk at the beginning. Cause I just feel like, like you said, I'm not prepared for it. It comes back to that practice piece, um, which yeah. is something you can do, right? Prepare for the small talk. Well, we abs- I absolutely do coach on that now, right? Yeah. Like I learned yeah. from my mistakes. I'm, I'm ready on that. And actually, I, I know you've seen me speak before and often I'll tell some totally irrelevant pieces of information about myself right at the beginning yeah. with that absolutely in mind. Like it, it makes it easier for people yep. to know that I have a son who plays hockey. I have a dog. I live yes. in the country. Like these are pieces of information. I travel like yeah. not now, but usually, <laughs> you know, so these are things that gives people something to talk to me about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true for 
you know, your corporate yeah. partner or your donor or whatever, if you don't tell them anything about yourself, yeah. then there is only traffic and weather available. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, sports, depending on who, yeah, <laughs> yeah. politics, so, maybe, which is yeah. probably a good one to get into. Right. Either. <laughs> so, so offer up the things that, you know, that yeah. are interesting mm-hmm. without being overly personal. So yeah. You know, yeah. If, if I mean, even, there. even I was listening to this podcast on the way over or I'm reading this book or, right? and, you yeah. know, something. Yeah. But having a few of those in your back pocket, uh, super helpful, right? It, yes. it, it, because yes, if you, all you've planned for is the formal part of the meeting, yeah. then that, that everybody's sort of sitting around looking at each other doing this beginning part. And that's not how you want to start. You know, when I first moved into leadership, one of the things that I really disliked was the networking piece. And so, you know, one of the very first things I did is I went to the library and grabbed like five books on how to work the room. And so that comes back to that competence part. And one of the strategies was, yeah, write down three topics or whatever on a little note card before you go in, you know, maybe it's you memorize the quote or yeah, like whatever it is, maybe check the news. What's the most recent news story out there? You know, oh, did you hear about the, the, um, the plane crash that, that just happened? And, you know, we lost one of the snowbirds. Were you a snowbirds fan? You know, whatever. It doesn't even have to be really personal. No. But the point is, is you have to practice this stuff. That's that's the the competence part, and doesn't just magically happen. And then you have to have the courage to open your mouth and like let something and out. Yeah, and say it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Heather. This has been a fabulous conversation. Let's quickly review the three points. Do you want to go over them real quick again? Sure. Uh, it's have have a vision that gets you through to the other side. You want yeah. to get through this. You want to achieve this goal. You want to have micro steps. So you're not always thinking about the big things, but what's the little next Once. thing that's very manageable. that's just in front of you. And third, uh, mentors, coaches, yeah. people that can help you surround yourself with them. They can be your best cheerleaders. They can help you if it goes crap. They're yeah. there too. And <laughs> figure out a next step anyway. So yeah, find your people. Perfect. So speaking of which, tell people where they can find you because there are some people who definitely need you on their team. Well, I'd love that. Um, so uh, my company is BridgeRays, uh, BridgeRays.com. I also am at BridgeRays on Facebook. I tweet. Um, (laughs) I I have lots of toolkits and uh, opportunities. I'm actually running a workshop tomorrow, which is corporate fundraising for boards, which is a really tight session on, on corporate fundraising, what it is and really helping boards decide if it's for their charity and their organization. Um, So I'm I'm thinking fundraisers are going to listen to it first and pass it on to their boards. So yes, uh, for for them, but you know, if um, there's is, other that, at, is that at bridgeraise.com? Yes, yeah, so you can get there. You get okay. uh, information on that through bridgeraise.com for sure. And um, yeah, and of course, uh, you know, if anything we've talked about today interests you, then you know, send me a note. I know yeah. that Kathy will put the links below. And get it so they can get in touch. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Anything we've missed covering? Anything you want to add? No, I think that this was a great conversation, and I really hope. Um, you know, more of you feel comfortable to have those money conversations, whether it's for fundraising or negotiating a great salary or, yeah, yeah. you know, 
whatever, whatever your, whatever money conversations in front of you, believe in yourself and, and you can do it for sure. Perfect. Thank you so, so much, Heather, for being here today. Thanks. And yes, you will find all of the links in the notes. Thank you. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can. Inside of the Training Library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com slash library. If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome. <music>